Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Hey, good morning, church. Boy, you've encouraged my heart. It's encouraging to see the, the halls of worship filling up as we are together here to worship the Lord, and, and uh, it's exciting. Uh, it's, it's good to be back with you after a couple of times away. We had some awesome preachers the last couple of weeks. Katie Fowler came and did a great job, and Michael Thornton did a great job last week. Grateful for you guys. And it's good to be back here with you. And this is now when we want to greet the people that are worshiping with us online. We're now connecting with you primarily during this service, and so we love you where you're worshiping at home. We know that you're still with us, that we're all together. We're on one mission for the, for the glory of the Lord, and we worship with you where, right where you are. So we're together, church, and what great love the Father has for us. We're starting a new series called First, in First John called What Great Love. So I encourage you to navigate to First John in your Bible app or... Uh, open up your Bibles and get to First John, if you can get there with me, and we're going to walk straight through this book a little bit past the next uh, uh, few weeks together, and we're starting at First John 1. As we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, your church is gathered up to be with you, to feel your love, to know your presence, to hear your word. So we pray, Jesus, send your Holy Spirit as we peer down over these pages and screens we're not looking at dead letters, but we are hearing your voice speak to us of grace and truth, drawing us home to you in love. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. amen. All right, First John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy Complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. This is God's word, and we're grateful. Amen? Starting this series, What Great Love. Today we want to talk about how love beats sin. 
So there's a bunch of, uh, of jungle stuff around. There's a Jeep outside, which is pretty awesome. I don't know if I get to drive that Jeep this week. Does anybody know? Do I get to? Ugh. But there's a Jeep outside. Why? Because uh, something special is happening, and I think a lot of you know about it. Who knows what's starting tomorrow morning? VBS. Do you know what it is? VBS. What does VBS stand for? Yes, Vacation Bible School. He'd love that he's right there. He bailed you out. <laughs> vacation Bible School. And let me tell you, church, we have been praying for years and years and years that God would send us hundreds of kids for Vacation Bible School. And this year, 2021, God has answered our prayers. Tomorrow morning, 500 kids are coming through those doors. <laughs> And God is trusting us as a church to get down on our knees, get eye to eye with 500 kids of our city, 500 kids, and declare to them the great love of Jesus. I mean, what an incredible opportunity that is. I couldn't be more excited. I bet a bunch of you are here filling this room up because you've got training in the next hour, right? Anybody volunteering for VBS here in the room? See, I knew it. <laughs> love you, thank you for representing the love of God to these kids, what an opportunity it is. And when you come to training for VBS, we give you a name tag. <laughs> Don't say we didn't give you anything. <laughs> and when you get that name tag, you can write your name on. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna get a name tag and I can write whatever I want on mine. And uh, there's, uh, there's, there's all kinds of different things that get written on my name tag. Sometimes it's Tim, sometimes it's Dr. Tim, Pastor Tim. There's a kid in the church, I'm not kidding, who loves to call me every time he sees me, the Reverend Dr. Timothy McConnell. That's his, that's his name for me. I feel very formal when he does that. But it's not gonna fit on a name tag. Well, we're starting a series called What Great Love, and it's, a, it's about 1 John, a letter written by John who uh, is the same guy who wrote Revelation we studied last month, same guy who wrote the gospel according to John. And, and when, John, when John had a name tag, you know, there's only one thing that he wanted written on it. When John had a name tag, there's only one thing that he wanted to show the world, to represent who he was. There's only one word that he would allow to be written on any name tag that was gonna be stuck to his chest. Do you know what it was? It's the word... Beloved. John wrote the gospel according to John about all of his stories with Jesus, and he never wrote his own name, never wrote his own name. Every time he referred to himself in that story, he said, and the one whom Jesus loved was there. Why? Because for John, there was no more profound truth than that for some reason, he was beloved of God. God loved him. What great love. 1 John 3, 1 is our key verse for this series. Every now and then we do this. If you have not memorized 1 John 3, 1 or underlined it or you look across at the person next to you and they have not underlined it, then you just reach over and you underline it for them. <laughs> because what we want to do is we want to underline this. We want to remember this. We want to highlight this, church. If you've never memorized a verse Let's memorize this verse together for this series. Say it with me, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, 
And that is what we are. Not only that we're called, but he makes it so. We're called children of God. And that is what we are. What great love God lavished over us. He pours out over us. The love of God has a transforming effect. The love of God changes your life. When he pours his love into your life, when his, his love is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, when he pours out his love, it's like the sun shining. It's like the sun always shining on you no matter where you go, and the light shines down on you, and you're warmed by it, and you're healed by it, and you, you even blossom and flower. What great love. Eugene Peterson said there's, there's two things in life that you got to learn about. This is what he wrote. The two most difficult things to get straight in life are love and God. More often than not, the mess people make of their lives can be traced to failure or <laughs> stupidity, not my word, <laughs> Eugene Peterson, to failure or stupidity or meanness in one or both of these areas. Love and God. If you don't know where you are with love and God, then if, if, you, don't, if you don't have the answers, please keep asking the questions because you have got to get to a place of understanding love and God. And the claim of the scriptures and the theme of 1 John is that God and love are interconnected. And that in fact, if you want to know more about, about God, then you need to learn a little bit more about what love is. And if you want to know more about love and you want to know how to love better, well, then you need to know more about who God is because God and love, they're intertwined. Now, where are we going to learn about love and God? Where could we look? What person in history, here comes Vacation Bible School, you're ready for this, who is it in history who teaches us about love and God? His name is? You got it. You're ready. You see, because Jesus, Jesus reveals who God is. Jesus reveals what love is. So Jesus is the intersection of God and love. If you want to know God and you want to know love, look to Jesus. That's our series, What Great Love. 1 John is a, an intimate writing. It's, a, it's not a formal letter like some of the other letters in the New Testament where we get that formal f sort of ancient letter format. He just jumps right in. It's like a, a message among friends. It's almost like a sermon. John, during this period in his life, he was in Ephesus. He was based in Ephesus, and he was ministering to other churches in other cities all around there. And this appears to be a moment where John was away from Ephesus at one of these other cities, and he decided to write this letter back to the church at Ephesus. Why? Because the church at Ephesus was beginning to have a hard time remembering the love of God. You see, as we experience something of, of God, we move on and we take a step and we start to forget. And John says, I don't want you to forget. This isn't something that you made up. This wasn't a figment of your imagination. This was real, what you experienced in Jesus Christ. So we're going to walk 1, 2, 3, verses 1, 2, 3. I hope you have your Bible open. We're just going to walk right through this as John reminds him that these things 
were real. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. See what he's doing here? Saying this was not like some kind of spiritual imagination thing. You saw this, you heard this, you experienced this, you touched this, you felt this, this was real. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. John says, look, don't forget, you, we heard Jesus, we saw Jesus, we touched Jesus with our own hands. Do you know the first challenge of the early church was not to convince the world that Jesus was God. <laughs> Jesus had done such weird, miraculous, divine things that, that people, all, they had all seen him do these, these things that nobody else can do. The first challenge of the early church was to convince people that Jesus was actually a human being. Because that's how, that's how, you know, the, how miraculous his activities were. So they had to say, no, this was a man. And we saw him and we touched him. And, and, and he walked with us and he talked with us and he, he ate with us and he slept with us and he laughed and he cried. He's just one of us, another man just like you and me. He was real. But John says, but to know this man was like no other. Because to know this particular man was to begin to know something beyond that man. There was something there. John says, you know what? It was, it was life itself. Verse 2. The life appeared. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the what? The eternal life. He's saying, this is what we saw. This is what we touched. This is what we interacted with. Eternal life. It was which, which was with us, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. The life appeared. John, um, he would talk like this sometimes. In fact, in the gospel, he made statements like this. First verse of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, excuse me, and the Word was God. And then jump to verse 4. In him was what? It was life. Life, like the whole thing. And that life was the light of all mankind. And then if you jump down in that chapter, you're at verse 14, the famous verse. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What's John saying? He's saying, look, these big categories, life, grace, truth, light, all of it, it came forward. All that God is, all of God's character, all of who God is, who he truly is, it came forward and it, it manifested itself before us. It has appeared before us. And it's not some, some mystical vision, some light and cloud show that's coming our way. No, it was a man. And his name is Jesus. And John says, and I knew him. And I know him still. Life has appeared. Jesus, the demonstration and full representation of the love of God. 
When John says that, he says the life appeared. I want you to know there's two kinds of life in the New Testament. There's two words in the New Testament for life. One is the Greek word bios, which is just biological life. That just means you're a living, breathing, crawling, eating, sneezing. You're, a, you're, you're, you're alive, right? That's not what John's talking about. The second word is zoe, a fullness of life, a life that fills up all the crevices, a life that completes, a life that fills, a life that, 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 that once you know that life, it starts, it starts an eternal life in you so that even after you come to the end of bios, you still have zoe. You're still, you might be, you know, physically your body's done, but you have eternal life in Jesus Christ, and that's what Jesus is. And John says, that's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what I'm proclaiming to you. Church, don't forget. Something profound has happened. Something miraculous has happened. Something cosmic has happened. Jesus is life. How many places have you looked for life? And he steps forward in Jesus Christ. But how can you connect with this life? Well, it goes on, verse 3, to explain that this life, what it is, you might be surprised to learn that what it really is is relationship with God. It's communion with God. John says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Relationship, communion, koinonia, next verse. And, that, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What is this life? It's relationship with God, the Father and the Son. Now, if you just imagine that for a minute, here's what John is saying. He's saying there's a relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Now, imagine what that relationship is like. I mean, if you can imagine, I mean, just imagine this kind of this perfect beam of light or something in between them because it's this, this love is like no love that you've ever experienced. It's complete, it's perfect, it's pure, it's holy, it's selfless. It's, 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 it's just this perfect manifestation of love. And what John says is you are going to enter into that. Well, how can that happen? Only by the blood of Jesus. Only by the blood of Jesus. Because I look at that love that's between the Father and the Son and it's perfect and holy and complete and selfless and I look at myself and if I'm honest, I know myself that I am imperfect, unholy, incomplete, inconsistent, selfish. How can I enter into that only by the blood of Jesus? You see what John gets to very quickly. He says, I want you to experience the love of God. I want you to remember what it feels like, the great love of God, the transforming love of God. What he comes to very quickly is that there's something we have to deal with. It's something the Bible calls sin. Here's verse 5. John says, God is light. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Friends, the light, light reveals things. When you turn on the lights, you see stuff. When you go down to the basement, you turn on the lights, there's stuff down there, isn't there? Like where's, where did the stuff come from? Why do we have all this stuff? When you flip on the lights, that's when the cockroaches go scattering. 
Because when you turn on the lights, it reveals things. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And when you turn on the light in your life, well, you see stuff. You see good stuff. Moments that you celebrate, moments of, of victory, moments of resolve, persistence. And then you see bad stuff. Moments of, of failure, moments that you regret. You turn on the lights, you see again. And if, if not dealt with, if left in the dark, those moments, those mistakes, they can become, friends, in your life like this heavy bucket of shame and regret that you don't know how to release, that you don't know how to get away from. It's like a gravity that's pulling you and always twisting you around in its, in its orbit. You can't get away from that one mistake, that one mistake. You don't know how to be free from it, and there is no forgiveness. John says, look, that isn't life. And that isn't what God intends for you. God, by his great love, has resolved to pull you up into the purity and wholeness of the relationship between the Father and the Son. And in order to do that, he is going to deal with your sin. He is going to remove the weight of of your sin. And that's what we proclaim. That's what Christians proclaim again and again that by his great love God has resolved to save us from our self-destructive sins. And he sent his son into the world to be an atoning sacrifice. And when Jesus went to the cross, that's exactly what he did. He paid a debt that we could not pay to fix a problem that we could not fix to get us home from a far country where we had wandered that we could never find our way home from ever in our lives. And to empty the bucket of shame so that we can stand up free and know eternal life in him. Friends, may today be a day where your bucket gets emptied out because Jesus has already paid for it. Amen? That's what we proclaim, isn't it? That's what we proclaim as Christians. God so loved the world. Remember, John 3.16 is written by who? John, same guy. John 3.16, read it with me, church. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How simple, how pure a message. Friends, the, the question for you this morning is this. Not just do you know it, not just have you memorized it. Maybe you've taught it to kids. Do you feel that? Do you feel it? And will you allow the love of God to be felt in your heart in a way that is transforming and life-giving. What great love. Now John says, as we go on, John says to, to, you know, to share it is to double the joy of it. That's the motivation for, for sharing Jesus for him. There's no manipulation in it, no personal gain. There's nothing selfish or guilt-ridden. Look at verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. We just want you to have this, this same relationship. And our relationship, our fellowship, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So that's why we're writing you this information. That's why we're telling you this stuff about Jesus. That's why I'm reminding you what you've started to forget. Why? Because we want to write this to you to make our what? Joy. 
complete. That's all he's in it for, is the joy of coming into full relationship with Jesus Christ and eternal life. He's got no secondary motive. Friends, there's a, uh, there's a really active movement on podcasts to deconstruct the faith among 20-somethings. And, and uh, it goes something like this. Like if you grew up in church and, uh, and now you're in your 20s, look back on the experiences of church. Back when you were a kid and you went to vacation Bible school or camp or, or youth group or whatever else. And, and what, these, what the dialogue is, is saying, look back on that because you thought you were feeling the love of God, but what was actually happening was you were being manipulated emotionally by the adults around you who wanted to control you and bend your mind. This is getting a lot of traction. Maybe some of you bumped up against this. Maybe you've heard it from some friends. Like, this is a trick. They played a trick on you. Now, as someone who's been in ministry now 22 years, um, and it has led a lot of youth groups, a lot of youth trips, a lot of vacation Bible schools. Um, the first thing I want to tell to you, say to you about that is this. Uh, the adults like me who have planned and run these things over the years, we're not smart enough. <laughs> I mean, we are not. I got to tell you, that's the honest truth. Like, we do not have the juice to manifest a false feeling of the divine love, okay? I'd, I cannot by any kind of trick or... I'm not a wizard, folks. There's no way that I could put together some kind of experience to manipulate you into feeling the, the divine love of God in your life. And so you can rest on that. We're too dumb. Now, but, but here's, the, here's the point. You know, you feel something and you start to forget it. And, and you feel this manifestation of the love of God. It's so real. And you, you take a step and you forget it a little bit. You take another step and you start to even doubt it a little bit. You take a few more steps in life, you get a little further away from that moment when the love of God was so manifest to you, was so real to you. It was so, it was, you could taste it. You start to think maybe that whole thing was just a trick. John says, don't forget the love of God. Don't you remember? You saw it, you heard it, you tasted it. Don't you remember how, don't you remember how pure? There's never a love so pure, the embrace of God in Jesus Christ. Don't you remember how holy it was, how good it felt, how rich it felt, the embrace of God. That was real. He says, you can doubt everything else in the world. Don't doubt the love of God in Jesus Christ. He's proven it to you. You hold on to it. You hold on to it. And remember, what great love. Some people divorce uh, emotion from intellection or, you know, or, or thinking from feeling, okay? Uh, or in Christian terms, doctrine from devotion. And they say, I don't want to learn things about God. I, I don't want to just learn the knowledge. I want to feel and they think these are two separate things. But friends, these are not two separate things. They're united. We feel what we know. And when you know the love of God is real, John is saying, I want you to feel it's real because we feel what we know. 
Let me illustrate that. Imagine a a girl gets lost in a park and the mother starts frantically chasing after her and she's running to find her and she's asking everybody, have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my daughter? She comes to the daughter. She finds her. She wraps her up in her arms. She holds her tight. Now what's happening? All along the the way, the, the mother's always told the daughter, you're my girl, you're my child, you're part of my family, I'll never let anything happen to you, right? This, there's nothing, that's, there's no new information going into the daughter's mind. She's known all of this. But as the mother wraps her up in her arms and tears are falling down her cheeks and she's kissing all over and says, don't you know I love you? Don't you know how scared I was? Don't you know I'll come wherever you are to find you and wrap you up in my arms of love? What's happening? What she's known she feels. We feel what we know. You feel the love of Christ. John says it's the same with God. We don't leave doctrine to go to emotion. The doctrine seeps into our hearts and inspires the devotion. That's what he says, that I'm giving you this knowledge to make joy. The knowledge makes joy. We feel what we know. Oh, what great love. The Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. And that is what we are. Do you feel it? So back to this problem of sin. Because because when we can't make the connection, it's sin that breaks the connection. When we don't feel what we know, when we doubt what we've seen of God, there's sin that breaks the connection. And we can't see, we can't understand, we can't feel what we know of God. And when we're in that state, when we're broken in our relationship with God, we can easily convince ourselves there's nothing wrong. This is just the way life is. And, and maybe that, that disturbed feeling in my spirit, that, that kind of sense of dissatisfaction, that, that aching, disturbed feeling that something's wrong that needs to be fixed, I just need to recognize that's just part of life. Maybe it's a... You know, maybe it's a, a chemical imbalance. Maybe it's a, 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 a psychological response. Maybe it was faulty parenting, you know? Faulty messaging, faulty uh, leadership, faulty education, faulty government. I mean, there's faulty government, right? Yeah. There's faulty this, faulty that. Anything that's outside of me, as long as it's not in here, we convince ourselves. John says... When you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. The truth is not in you. And friends, that is where almost everybody that we know, almost everybody in the world, and you and me, again and again, that's where we sit. And as long as you're sitting there, that bucket of shame keeps dragging you back. But John says there's another way. If we confess our sins. John says, look, take a hard look at yourself in the mirror and assess your decisions with personal responsibility. Take a hard look in the mirror and see what you've done, see what you've decided, see what you've acted on, and say, you know what, yeah, that's, that was my mistake. It was my error. It was my sin. And when the lights go on in my life, I see it. And I know where I've fallen short. We get so confused that we don't even know what sin is. We think that sin must be something that we're disturbed by. 
No, sometimes you're not disturbed by sin at all. The sin has been like a Novocaine to numb your conscience, and you're not disturbed by it in the slightest. When you, when you don't know what sin is, you've got to go back to the Word, and you say, Lord, reveal by your Word, by your light, what is right and what is wrong, what is virtue and what is vice, where I should direct my energies and where I should direct my energies away, what is, what is good and what is bad. And the Lord, he shows you by his light, and we assess ourselves by the light of Scripture, and we agree with God, and we confess. And what John says is this. If you confess your sins, God responds. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God doesn't do this, friends, to cause you shame. God is not condemning you. God sent his son to take the condemnation on himself. God is not judging you. God sent his son to take the judgment on himself. What God is saying is there is life that is truly life, and what it comes with is bringing your shame and your regret and your sins and being open before the cross and pouring out your bucket and trusting the forgiveness and grace won by Jesus Christ. If we claim to be without sin, verse 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, it's verse 9, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. Friends, young church, young and old, home, here, let today be the day Whatever you've carried of shame and of regret or the mistakes in your life, let today be the day that you empty that bucket before the Lord. Confess your sins. Let's walk out of here at church unburdened, released. That gravity was never meant to pull you back and loop you back around again and again. <laughs> God says, I've got intention for you and my resolve for you is to pull you into the purity of the love between the Father and the Son for eternal life and you are stepping into that right now. So let go and confess and be forgiven. The Apostle John, when he wrote that, I want you to notice one thing. He, he, he included himself. He didn't say you confess your sins. He said we confess our sins. Here's John, who walked with Jesus, who walked so nearly, he gave him his heart, he gave him his life, he served him with all that he had. And here's John saying, you know what? I've got a bucket too. There isn't a single person in here that doesn't need to go and confess and know the forgiveness won by Jesus Christ. There is life in Jesus how many places have you searched to find life? There's life in Jesus. In fact, he's eternal life. He's fullness of life. There's forgiveness in Jesus. What if you lived in a world where no buckets could ever be emptied? Whatever wound up in that bucket, you had to carry it all your life. There's forgiveness in Jesus. You lay down your burdens of sin. He's taken them up on his own shoulders on the cross. 
You can deceive yourself. You can pretend that there's nothing wrong, that it's all outside, someone else's fault. Or you can come before the Lord and say, there's stuff that's been done to me. There's stuff that I've done, Lord. And I agree with you. And I forgive, I, I confess my sins. And I've got nothing to do but to cling to the cross and the promises of Christ. I can't give you a good reason, Lord, why I've gone into this sinful behavior. I can't give you a good reason why I made that decision, why I made that mistake, but I can sure feel the weight of it. I can feel the weight of shame. And Jesus, I just want to give it over to you. you confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. And what I want you to remember is that the love that you felt from the very first, the love of Jesus that you knew in its very first blush of light, in that blush of spring with the Lord, where you knew Jesus and you knew the purity of the love that he was bringing your way and you knew the fullness of the embrace, that is real. Never doubt it. Doubt everything else in your life. Do not doubt the love of Jesus Christ. He has given his life for you to win for you forgiveness and life eternal. What great love. Lord, thank you that there is forgiveness in Jesus' name, that there is now no condemnation, that we can be reconciled to you, that we can release the burden and shame and guilt, knowing that you, Jesus, have paid the penalty for us and have released us into eternal life and the fullness of love. Jesus, be with our church. Unburden our hearts. Help us to pour ourselves out before you in honesty and humility, trusting in your grace. And help us to know forgiveness and to know love and to feel love and to be transformed and to walk in the life that you have won through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.